The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Wake Up and Listen with Don Burnett and Dr. Don. If you've been looking to get unstuck, have better relationships all around, release negativity, emotional blockages, and invite harmony into your life, you've stopped at the right place. Now, here are your co-hosts, Don Burnett and Dr. Don. Good evening and welcome to Wake Up and Listen. I'm Don Burnett. And I'm Dr. Don. It's our heart's desire to help you uncover your passions so you can be transformed from the inside out. And to do that, we have teacher, author, and Freedom Writer founder, Erin Gruel. She decided to become a teacher. And in 1994, she achieved that with 150 inner city kids at Woodrow Wilson High School in Long Beach, California, where she transformed their lives by giving them a voice and hope. She later on went to write and publish the Freedom Writers Diary with the students. And through her Freedom Writers Foundation, Erin teaches educators around the world on how to implement her innovative lesson plans in their own classroom. She continues to fight for equality in education and inspires teachers and students around the world with her work. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the show. Hi. This is such an honor to have this opportunity to talk to both of you. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. It's an honor to have you. We're looking forward to igniting passion and inspiring our listeners tonight. Thank you. Well, I hope our collective passion is contagious. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. Well, no doubt it will be. And for those of you listening who haven't seen the movie Freedom Writers from 2007 starring Hilary Swank, I encourage you to go out and buy that movie and have a box of Kleenex with it. Wow. It is inspiring, empowering, and it's definitely a keeper. Um, to fill our listeners in, Erin, your passion started when you turned on the TV and saw a man standing in front of a tank. Something triggered in you, and that's when you decided you wanted to stand for something and become a teacher. Can you elaborate on that? Um, I was just this ordinary college student thinking I was going to be a lawyer, and I, I turned on the television, and here was this young man in Tiananmen Square, China, standing in front of a tank, and, and boldly so. I didn't know his name. I didn't know his story. But I was humbled to my core that someone would stand up for something that was bigger than himself. And up until that point, I'd never stood up to anyone or anything. Um, I went to the right schools. I played the right sports. I joined the right clubs. I didn't even stand up to the mean girls. So watching this person I, I didn't know stand up for something that was obviously so much bigger than himself um, made me want to stand up to something and made me want to stand up for someone. I mean, where does this come from? It's not every day that somebody turns on the TV, sees a message, and gets such clarity like this. I think I'm a visual learner, and they always say a a picture speaks a thousand words. So in this video age, um, 
so do movies and, and vignettes from the news. And I think it was just this idea that I could stand in solidarity with someone who may not have my story or may not have grown up in the community that I grew up in or even have my same journey. And the idea prior to that was to go into a courtroom and stand in front of a judge and jury. But oftentimes that's too late. Um, it's a different outcome. So I wanted to be more proactive and, and stand in a classroom, hopefully in front of a group of kids that would uh, not have to stand in front of that judge and jury and try to make a difference. Wow, you are so inspiring and heart-moving. Now, I, I want to take our listeners to that place. Here you are. You're standing. You're seeing this. You've made a decision to become a teacher. And now, after making this decision, you turn on the TV to L.A. riots. What yes. are the thoughts that start racing through your mind? Well, I think for all of those of us that lived in Los Angeles during that time, um, it was, it was a scary, difficult time, and, and it's haunting and harrowing now when, you, when we see different kinds of riots in different communities, whether it was in, in Baltimore or um, in Missouri recently when, when we've had civil unrest. So I lived in Southern California, and our community was really affected. Uh, buildings were being uh, burned. Um, police officers and the National Guard came in, and... It was a really telling time when you could actually smell the smoke and, and feel the ash and, and know that there were certain communities that were too dangerous to go into. And there was an image I saw of a kid who had a Molotov cocktail in his hand. And I thought, that's the kind of kid I want to teach, a kid who, who doesn't feel like they have a voice in a traditional setting. And for a lot of kids, there's that, that instinct of, of fight or flight. And I think I'm, I'm drawn to the fighters. Um, and I, I want to believe that there is a good fight. I, I want to believe that, that, that people can put down a fist and put down a gun and put down a Molotov cocktail and, and still evoke change, not through destruction, but through words. And that was what I was drawn to, is not only to be a teacher, but to teach in a community where the young folks that were destroying and burning our community um, could have another avenue. Uh, wouldn't you say, though, uh, Aaron, that I, I think all these kids, just, you know, after watching your movie and what I know, because uh, I'm a lot older than most of us here, I'm 73, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, so when I look at that, and I came from a great family background, great mom and dad, I think all these inner city kids or any of these disciplinary problems, these kids lack love in their lives, you know, from a solid family background, mother and father type thing, or at least some aunts and uncles, grandparents or something. So these kids really don't uh, understand what patience, kindness, sincerity, integrity, and honor are in their lives. So then they, if they, they won't even go to school because they don't, they don't honor and respect their own lives and what they have to give to life and knowing that they're going to be a servant to mankind. That is their job in life is to bring love and happiness and enrich the lives of others, I just see that as a common factor in all these kids' problems. You know, I, I think uh, what I love about where our story evolved into was knowing that we all have a story. And I think what's really hard with the media, oftentimes, you know, my, my knowledge was coming from the news. I was living in Los Angeles, but also watching the news simultaneously. And what I had to realize is in, in the fact that we all have a story, not to have broad 
broad brushes and, and those gross generalizations and stereotypes that I often was, was fed or read or conceived. And one of the most beautiful things about choosing to be a teacher was the duality of my role. I, I walked in as a teacher, and I also was a student. I, I had to learn their story. I had to learn what would make somebody so angry that they would reach for that fist or that gun or that Molotov cocktail. Um, what would make their back be against the wall? What was their home life like? And what were the choices they were making? And so for me, it was this unbelievable learning curve. And ultimately, surprisingly, we are much more similar than we are different. You know, I had to learn about their humanity, um, their voice. And in, in doing so, I also had to teach them about my humanity and, and my voice and my community. So it was, there was a lot of teaching and learning going on simultaneously. So here you are getting behind the eyes of students or first had made the decision to do that and, and knew that you would need to do that to be a successful teacher. You call your father... And he wasn't as supportive as you hoped for. How did he take the news of you wanting to become a teacher? That's a great question. So my father, ironically, had always touted his experience as a, a civil rights activist. And, and as a child, I, I loved his stories about equality and, and fighting the good fight. And his professional career was working in, in professional baseball. And I think there's something beautiful about athletics. Um, you know, we've seen some of those great folks, whether it's Jackie Robinson or Hank Aaron, who, who liberate the masses by integrating uh, baseball or, or other sports. So for me to have my father not be excited about me teaching, it, it, was, it was disappointing at first. I think my dad, like so many parents, just wanted me to be safe. Um, I think he also felt that we invested so much in my education that, you know, unfortunately then, as is true today, um, teachers are grossly underpaid. Yes. So I think my father just didn't want me to struggle my whole life. Um, he wanted me to have this comfortable lifestyle that I had grown up in. And I think he was just nervous that if you choose academia, how, how are you going to pay the rent? How, how are you going to make a car payment? And, you know, he was very comfortable with me going to law school if, if that was my choice. But I, I just think my dad wanted me to be safe and sound and, and not have to struggle. Totally understandable as a parent myself, uh, but my hat off to you to following your passion. Here you are, you've made this decision. There's riots going on. You know you're going to have to get behind the eyes of the students, which in itself will be a whole nother ball game, no pun intended there, but <laughs> you know, you have all of this going on. And despite these adversities, you make a decision to help transform the lives of 150 inner city students. Now, for our listeners tuning in, they're still probably going, yeah, but why? They say your passion has to be greater than the excuses or the adversities that come your way so you don't quit. What made you stay in the game? For me, and I think with all all great teachers, it is a calling. It's this inner voice. Um, it's, it's that moment there's an aha. Um, and it's like an invisible light bulb. When, when a kid gets it, 
I, you know, I had kids who would rather push me away than, than pull me closer and, and push down those issues and that baggage rather than let it out. And I think for me, I just wanted them to realize that they could be a part of this greater tapestry that in a community ravaged with destruction and, and riots and homicides. We had over 126 murders in a year. You know, I was tired of, of, of reading about babies killing babies. And I was tired of, of young people feeling like they had a bullseye on their chest. And if I could be part of that solution. And I think that solution, honestly, comes in education. Education can and does equalize a very unfair playing field. And that was my hope, that if I could go in there and, and make education come to life and, and make words leap out of the pages of a book or allow my students to realize that there's different ways to be seen and heard that don't involve weapons, um, that are words. And, and words is where you can create a movement. And with words, there's your legacy. And so that was my hope, is that as an English teacher, that I could find those great stories and allow my students at some point to be that great storyteller. Wow. So as it would be said, you were such a gift and an inspiration to your students. And one could say that the students are lucky to have had you, but now being on the other side and having personally met you, would it be correct in saying you feel just as blessed and lucky to have had those students and what you've given oh as well? Oh, my gosh. I, I love the line my father said to me, and it's in the movie, that I am blessed with a burden. It is. It is the, the greatest blessing I could have been bestowed. And it is a burden. And so I, I am truly blessed. I am, I am constantly learning. And I am um. constantly humbled. I love that. There's no greater joy than hearing someone who has an attitude of gratitude. We're getting ready to go to a commercial break. When we come back, Erin is going to share some moments of adversity and what she did to overcome them. We'll be back in a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of feeling stuck? Well, this can be your disconnect of the past. We can help you live the life of your dreams. All you have to do is check out a new dawn, naturalsolutions.com and get started by making a shift and signing up for your free five keys to unlocking success as featured in Jack Canfield's The Road to Success book, Volume 2. That's a new dawn, naturalsolutions.com. We're here to help you connect to ultimate wellness. A new dawn, natural solutions. Take control of your health and live a natural way to a better life. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Wake Up and Listen. If you have a question or comment about the show... 
please send an email to wakeupandlistenradio at gmail.com. That's wakeupandlistenradio at gmail.com. Or you can even post them to our Facebook page. Just search Wake Up and Listen. Now, back to the show. Here's Don Burnett and Dr. Don. Welcome, listeners. We've been speaking with Freedom Writers founder Erin Gruwell. She's been revealing how passion unlocked her dream and transformed the lives of 150 inner city students. So, Erin, we were talking about that attitude of gratitude, and it's great that we're looking at that now. But taking you back to that point of when you made the decision to follow your dreams, despite the lack of full support from your father, and and we discussed that coming just from your dad Mm -hmm. wanting the best for you, What were the conditions of Woodrow Wilson High School in Long Beach, California like when you arrived and how well received were you by the students for people who haven't seen the movie? What I love about Long Beach, and it was actually my my first choice to teach in in that city, and Wilson High was actually my first choice within the city of Long Beach, was on paper, it's perfect. It's this microcosm of America rich kids and poor kids and every color and creed and shape and size, what I did not realize is the segregation that was happening within the school. And when you're a scholar and you're in school and you learn about Brown versus Board of Education, you know, there's this idea that before the Supreme Court said separate is not equal, that everyone would come together, join hands, sing kumbaya, and, and be in an integrated space. That was not the case at Wilson at that time, and that was really hard. I, I, you know, I walked in, and the students segregated themselves, the classes segregated themselves, and, and when I looked at the paper demographics of what I thought was going to be this wonderful salad bowl, this wonderful melting pot, um, what I realized is that the students that I was given as a brand-new teacher were the students that nobody wanted, um, and that's a tough thing to to feel that you're not wanted. Um, students who've been labeled, students who have failed, students who have um, uh, F's and D's and transferred and gone from juvenile halls or boot camps or rehabs or detention centers, alternative schools, and so for a lot of the kids that were in my class that 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 first uh, that first year. There was a feeling that they weren't supposed to make it. Yeah. Was this a normal thing for Woodrow Wilson High School to assign new teachers, the students who potentially wouldn't make it? I think that's a, it's a typical thing at most schools. And wow. to clarify, I, I went to public schools and I've taught at public schools, so I, I am that public school purist. I, I really do believe in our public schools. But I, I yeah. think, unfortunately, oftentimes those, those new rookie teachers are, are given students just like I was. Um, and that could be a really difficult thing if you're not fast on your feet. Um, it could be very scary, and it could be overwhelming. And so in those first few minutes, hours, days, and weeks, I was constantly reinventing myself. Um, you know, I would cry all the way home and think, should I have gone to law school? Did I make a mistake? Do I call my father and have him say, I told you, Scoot? So do I go back to the university and, and, and take more classes? Um, I felt so overwhelmed and so demoralized um, because I was insecure. I didn't know if I was 
connecting, if, if I was making education relevant. Um, because those first few days, minutes, moments, my students really were miserable. And they wanted to make me as miserable as they were. And they did a really good job. Yeah, and, and you touch on a good point, Erin. That's normal. You, we step out to follow our dreams, and then all these things happen, and we're like, is this a sign? All these fears creep in. And like you said, should I have gone to law school? Exactly. And you mention in one of your TEDx talks, and I highly encourage our listeners to go and look those up. I was enlightened and had learned some new things. Like you said, to be in the moment you need to be vulnerable. And here you are faced with gang members. Mm-hmm. I mean, what were your fears? That's a great question. I think that teenagers have the best detectors of, of who's real. And, um, you know, they were coming from a very gritty place. And they can, they can sense um, who is an imposter and who's pretending and who's putting on a front or a facade. And so I had been taught these lessons in the halls of academia that you're not supposed to smile till Christmas and you're not supposed to uh, let down your guard. And I realized almost instantaneously that I had to show that human side, um, every kind of emotion, because uh, especially with, with... when you're an English teacher, everything is based on emotions and, and humanity and those stories. So if I felt overwhelmed or I felt emotional or if I was scared or vulnerable, I think it was more important for me to be in that moment rather than to put up a facade because my students would have seen through that. And I love that about teenagers. Um, I think they have just this uncanny ability to, to relate to people. Um, and when they believe that you are real and genuine and honest, they'll let you in. If they don't think you're those things, they'll push you away. And so I, I was just really lucky to not listen to those anecdotes from those professors um, about not, not smiling until Christmas and, and, and having those emotions uh, be real. Yeah, sounds like me, uh, Aaron. What you really what you uh, represented to the kids was a loving soul. That's what really you came down to. Uh, it was just you being yourself, and you're a loving person. You can hear it in your voice. You're just a loving, oh. kind person. And you yeah, know, so I, when go ahead. Oh, I thank you for that because you know the irony is, and I think when you when you were speaking earlier about my students on the exterior, um, if if you were to meet one of these students when they first walked in, you know, there's, there's definitely that facade of how they dressed and their, you know, their pants were sagging below their boxers and their oversized this and brooding looks. And yet the toughest kids are the softest on the inside. Um, that was all an act. Um, so beneath all of that were these kids who never got to be kids. And I just wanted to get to that, that, that whimsical element when kids are silly and laugh and unfortunately the things that my kids had seen and experienced, no kid should see or experience. They were, they lost their innocence. They were forced to grow up before they were, uh, you know, out of elementary school. They had the weight of the world on their shoulders. And I wanted to create this very safe, accepting, loving place where my kids could be kids. And, and and almost have that do-over. You know, a lot of kids 
go off to kindergarten and have show and tell. Um, my kids didn't. They, they missed out on that. Maybe they were told they didn't have anything to show or maybe those moms were too proud and said, don't tell. And I just wanted my kids, even though they were now teenagers, to be that kid again. So would you say, Erin, that the kids that are the toughest have the strongest outer shell, it was you having a knowing that they have the largest inner pain, and is that what helped you to push through all of these adversities and try to find their means of communication to teach your students that they have a story? Absolutely. I think one of the most telling moments in the in the feature film um, was one of my favorite moments in my class was when I played this game that was anything but, and I, and I, I named it the line game. And I just wanted my students to, to stand up like that young boy in Tiananmen Square, stand up for something or stand up to someone. And I ask a series of questions. Um, some of them are silly and are, are pop culture related um, about songs or artists or athletes or icons. Most of them were really telling and harrowing stories about the things that they'd witnessed or experienced, um, things that would bring them to the line about abuse or um, their housing uh, or their, um, their families or being bullied. And each and every time one of my kids stood on that line, they were able to say so much by not saying anything at all. And I realized I have to see them, re- really see them, and then find stories that are relevant to what they've experienced. If it's written by Shakespeare, if it's written by Homer, they've written those harrowing stories as well. And then in addition to the Shakespeare and the Homers, I wanted to find stories written by and for and about kids who come from a really painful place. Um, And the commonality for those kids were kids who had survived or did not survive a war, whether it was Anne Frank in an attic, Ellie Wiesel in a concentration camp, or a a beautiful young girl in a genocide in Bosnia-Herzegovina. And so for me, watching my students stand on that line allowed me to go out and find the perfect stories to say, you're no longer a victim, how can we survive? And in telling your story, that's part of the survival process. Yes, that's exactly true. You know, going back to that word vulnerability, vulnerability automatically implies risk. And these poor kids, <laughs> they do not want to risk anything. They already seem to be losing everything. So you're exactly right when they're hardcore on the inside and you have to penetrate that inner core uh, where their lovingness is because everybody is, is loving at the center. Everybody has a loving soul. And our food uh, for our soul is love, period. And uh, these kids uh, just do not want to risk being vulnerable because that's to them, that's a weak point. And so they got to be tough on the outside they show it but you're absolutely right inside they're soft and you were you got through all their buttresses and you broke down their barriers and you got right to their little souls and you uh, brought them back to childlike qualities which is lovingness oh and and, and the, the word love is something you don't usually hear in a classroom but it's it's it, it's a word that permeates in everything we do love and and family and hope all of those Wonderful four-letter words are, are part of who, who we are. 
Yeah, and certainly you had to show your loving soul for them to be able to open up and show their loving soul. We're getting ready to go to a commercial break. Coming up, we'll be discussing how to continue to push past those barriers and keep the focus when the cards are stacked against you. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of feeling stuck? Well, this can be your disconnect of the past. We can help you live the life of your dreams. All you have to do is check out a new dawn naturalsolutions.com and get started by making a shift and signing up for your free five keys to unlocking success as featured in Jack Canfield's The Road to Success book, Volume 2. That's a new dawn naturalsolutions.com. We're here to help you connect to ultimate wellness. A New Dawn Natural Solutions. Take control of your health and live a natural way to a better life. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Wake Up and Listen. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to wakeupandlistenradio at gmail.com. That's wakeupandlistenradio at gmail.com. Or you can even post them to our Facebook page. Just search Wake Up and Listen. Now, back to the show. Here's Don Burnett and Dr. Don. Welcome back, listeners, to Wake Up and Listen. I'm Dawn Burnett. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Dawn, and Erin Gruel has been sharing how she empowered 150 challenged students to rewrite their story. And Erin, we were talking about operating from a place of love when we were going a commercial break, one of the ways that you were able to kind of break down that outer toughness shell and get to the love inside your students is through journaling. And that's a healing technique we share with our clients. But getting people to follow through can sometimes be another subject. For some, it feels too painful. Others, it's freeing. What was the initial response of the students, and how did you come up with the idea? I, I modeled their, their journaling with these wonderful young teens, um, whether it was Anne Frank and her diary, uh, the words of Ellie Wiesel um, that he wrote in Night, or a book that had just come out um, when my students were freshmen called Zlata's Diary about a young girl from, from Sarajevo. And in each of these teenagers' words um, were these heart-wrenching stories and harrowing stories, but also how do you overcome adversity? Um, How do you not let all these things that are happening to you weigh you down? And so I I really wanted to pay homage to the voices of young people. Um, And I I wanted to kind of parallel that, you know, pain is pain, whether you're in an attic in Amsterdam or in a basement in Bosnia or right here in an inner city in America, um, there was a, a sentiment that one of my students had uttered 
when we were playing the line game, and that was that he felt like he lived in an undeclared war. And so what I wanted my students to do is, with this piece of paper and that ballpoint pen, is tell me about that war um, and, and describe it and, and, and how, how does this war end and, and how do you come out of this? Like I said earlier, not, not a victim, but a survivor. And so I, I wanted the writing process to be very healing and cathartic and, and therapeutic. And how did you get them to the point of actually doing the journaling? Well, as an English teacher, the, the great thing is um, that that's part of our curriculum is, is writing and, and reading. And I find the best writers are often the best readers. Um, your vocabulary grows. So I was constantly reading these, these, these stories I felt would relate to my students. Um, and then constantly reading journals written by my students. Um, they wrote them anonymously. And daily, I would share the words of a 14-year-old. And the cliche about out of the mouth of babes is true. The things they wrote were unbelievable. Even to this day, our book came out initially in 1999. And I am still humbled when I read these stories written by a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old. So I did that in real time. You know, my students would write a journal. I would stand before them, and I would read it aloud. And oftentimes they wouldn't know if I was reading something from Shakespeare, something from Anne Frank, or something from a 14-year-old sitting beside them in that class. And that was the really exciting thing is paying homage to the storytelling process, regardless if they were a published author or if they were a kid um, as a freshman in high school. Wow, very, very, very inspiring. And what a great way to get them to start exercising their voice by writing it down and feeling like they're in a safe zone where you kept it in the locked up cabinet. So after school hours, they were they felt like their story was safe. Now, you're very passionate about people and their stories, as are we. That's why we air this show. What made you decide to max out your credit cards and purchase your students all a copy of the Diary of Anne Frank. I mean, that's a, that was a pretty risky move. Well, I, I, I knew that my students had never read, and that's, that's the irony. You know, I, we spoke of my dad earlier, and my entire childhood was sitting on his lap and reading books or going to the library or going to a bookstore and, and sharing. And, and my dad modeled that. He read the newspaper every single day. He read books every single day, and I realized for my students, most of them didn't have a dad in the home to model that, and they weren't reading. They weren't going to libraries or bookstores, so I wanted my students to read and and fall in love with books and words, and when I asked my colleagues to share the books that we had, I was told no. I was told that my students were too stupid, and they would never read a book from cover to cover. I was also told they were dumb. I was also told they were nothing, and I was so incensed that I just got in my car and I drove to Barnes and Noble and and I ordered the books. Um, initially, not really thinking it through how much it would cost to buy <laughs> 150 copies of the multiple copies of books I wanted to buy. And in that moment of defiance, I just wanted I wanted my kids to prove those naysayers wrong that they weren't dumb stupid or nothing, that they were brilliant and they could defy the odds and they could find themselves within the pages of a book. 
So even though I used up my Christmas money, maxed out my credit cards, and paid those books off for about five years, most of my students admitted it was the first book they owned, it was the first book they read, and to this day, it it sits on a shelf in their house. Um, So there's something permanent about owning your own copy of a book. So it has completely transformed their life by reading the diary of Anne Frank. Was it like they found themselves in the pages? They did. Here was this this good little girl who wrote, there's a a passage she wrote, um, I hope I quote it uh, correctly, in spite of everything, I truly believe that people are, are good at heart. And this was written almost at the end of her of her time in the attic, shortly before she was captured. And I, I think that she believed in in reconciliation and, and and restorative justice. Where, for a lot of my students, they had been part of uh, the punitive system. They had been to juvenile hall. They had a dad in jail or prison. And to be someone who believed that you could forgive. You don't have to forget, but you can forgive. I think it was really telling for my students. And I think for a lot of my students, they had done bad things. And I wanted to encourage them through the words of Anne Frank that doing bad things doesn't make you a bad person, mm-hmm. that you can forgive yourself. And that, that reconciliation and that restorative justice, it starts with you and it starts now. And so I think Anne Frank gave them permission to forgive themselves and Tragically, she, she didn't make it, but her words did, and they've lived on. And I think that my students realize the power of, of a legacy. You know, they had lost so many people, and they didn't read obituaries, and they weren't recognized on the nightly news or in, in magazines. And yet, if you write something down in a journal or in a book, it's forever. And I, I think that gave my students the ability to say, I want to live forever. Wow. You know, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Earl Nightingale. He's a well-known, successful philosopher. He has a whole library of tapes. Um, picks all kinds of areas that affect everybody's life. But he's a very astute, sound philosopher, not a you know high psychology type thing. And uh, in the book, he says, more than anything else that will determine the success of an individual, male or female, in the rest of their lives, is the command of the English language. Exactly what you're saying about readers. Uh, I know my parents always in, uh, influenced me and my brother to read. And to this day, I am a heavy reader. And I'm not a very intelligent, bright person when it comes to academic uh, intelligence tests or IQ and all that nonsense. Well, not nonsense, but, but you know, but I'm, I'm well read. I read all the time. And, uh, you know, so you have a command of the English language. And you're absolutely right when uh, you're talking about uh, you've got to be a good reader. Children's books, you know, about horses and crows and foxes, all those cute little stories. Uh, that's what got me going and uh, reading at a very young age. You know, I loved using children's books with my teenagers. I think my favorite was Silverstein's The Giving Tree. That, that book kills me. Um, and it's so bittersweet about this little boy taking the apples and the branches and the trunk and, and leaving a stump behind. And so I, I use powerful books that may or may not have been written for children um, to really hone a metaphor or an analogy or a parable. And the amazing thing now is my students have the most incredible vocabulary. They were lucky to be on 
the Oprah Winfrey show when their book came out. And we used to play all these fun games with like Fruit Loops and Peanuts and things using high-stake vocabulary words. And my students on her show were throwing out these big ticket items, you know, metamorphosis this and epiphany that and transformation. And we went to commercial break and Oprah said, oh my God, your vocabulary is amazing. And one of my students was beaming from ear to ear and said, well, that's because we played a lot of vocabulary games with Fruit Loops. And she made these words come to life. And I just wanted my students to have that power of words. You know, oftentimes when you, when you don't have that power, you resort to street words and vernacular and a lot of those four-letter words. Um, I wanted my students to be able to be powerful and, and to be able to say something that, that would pack a punch that wasn't actually that punch. And thank you, Erin. I mean, wow, from the bottom of my heart, for, for being that better person, even though you didn't have lack when you grew up, of understanding lack in others, from coming from a heart place, being a big believer in hope, the power of words, and change. Before we go to a commercial break, what is one quick piece of advice that you can leave our listeners with who are feeling stuck, like there's no way out, they're struggling, but they want to bridge the gap and follow their dreams, but they're feeling maybe like lack of resources or confidence is standing in the way. How can they push through? It, very simply, I learned, I learned from the woman who saved Anne Frank, uh, a very simple secretary, meet guests, talked about turning on a light in a very dark place. And, and I think that light is symbolic of hope. And that light is symbolic of change. And we all have that light. We all have that possibility and promise. And so I just like to be someone who turns on lights for others. And hopefully it ignites the light within. Oh, I love that. That's absolutely beautiful. And you're right. We all do have lights. We're getting ready to go to a commercial break. How can our listeners, Erin, follow your work and support the Freedom Writers Foundation? Wow. Well, we, we are uh, a family that continues to expand. We, the 150 Freedom Writers are still part of my family, and we have teachers all over the globe. So we started a foundation, and our, our goal is to pay it forward, help other students, help other teachers. So your listeners can go to our website, um, thefreedomwritersfoundation.org. They can go to any bookstore and, and purchase our book. Um, they can download the movie. My favorite is when people pick up a piece of paper and a pen and a stamp and mail us a letter. I, I love those old-fashioned mm-hmm. letters. Um, emails work as well. But we, we have letters written from kids who are in a dark place, and, and just writing to us brings out the light. So we are, we are very much a family, and we always say that family is what you choose and family is what you make. So we extend the offer to your family, your family of listeners, um, to reach out to us and, and be a part of that hope. Oh, thank you so much, Erin, for inspiring and empowering our listeners. Never quit always believe in themselves and go after their heart's desire. You truly, truly are a blessing to society. And I know you are to Don and I as well. When we come back, Dr. Don and I are going to share some of our own words of wisdom to help you get unstuck so you can live the life you've been dreaming of. We'll be back in a moment. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of feeling stuck? Well, this can be your disconnect of the past. We can help you live the life of your dreams. All you have to do is check out a new dawn naturalsolutions.com and get started by making a shift and signing up for your free five keys to unlocking success as featured in Jack Canfield's The Road to Success book, Volume 2. That's a new dawn naturalsolutions.com. We're here to help you connect to ultimate wellness. A New Dawn Natural Solutions. Take control of your health and live a natural way to a better life. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Wake Up and Listen. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to wakeupandlistenradio at gmail.com. That's wakeupandlistenradio at gmail.com. Or you can even post them to our Facebook page. Just search Wake Up and Listen. Now, back to the show. Here's Don Burnett and Dr. Don. Welcome back to Wake Up and Listen. We've been talking about ways we can fulfill our dreams. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Don. Wake up and say hi, Don. I'm awake. I'm awake. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to share some insight with our listeners on what we've gained over these last 13 weeks that have helped us on our own journey in hopes to continue to inspire them to continue to walk down the path and really embrace the journey because It is a journey. It's not just about arriving at the destination. It's about enjoying the journey on the way. So out of all of our guest speakers, Dr. Don, that's going to cause you to wake up and get your memory going. What would you say has stood out the most to you that will help you moving forward in your own journey? Well, I think all uh, all all the shows that we've been on, I think I go back to Will Rogers, you know, the well-known playwright, humorist, who said the definition of life can't be better than this. Life is one damn thing after another. And that is so true because I think the first five or six people that we had on the show, they all had books, they all had problems in their background. And uh, so they basically took off and, uh, you know, corrected their lives and they stimulated and were passionate enough to write a book and it changed their lives. They became better people for having obstacles. Honestly, you got to be a pro, you got you to be a person that eats problems for breakfast. You got to look forward to a day that is going to bring obstacles because if there weren't any obstacles, you have absolutely no purpose for being on this planet Earth. Nothing is meant to be easy. Life is meant to be better, but it isn't meant to be easy. You have to just take that uh, as, as just a, a principle that you live with every day when you get up in the morning. So all these people that we talk to, interviewed on our past shows, uh, they were all good people. I wouldn't say gifted, but they made something of themselves. I think a lot of them are just very average because I know I am. And yet well, here we are, me and Don, doing a, a show on, uh, on a radio thing here. And uh, average intelligence, 
Uh, but you just have to have power and passion, and I'll tell you, a strength of purpose. Willpower, what is it? You can't eat it? What, what is willpower? I don't have any willpower. I can't stop smoking. I don't have any willpower. Forget that. You have to have a strength of purpose. If you have a strong purpose for whatever you want to accomplish in life, put the blinders on like a racehorse has and just go for it because boldness is genius in disguise. Yeah, so it's really what you're saying, Don. I mean, you have to clearly define what your why is. I love all of our guests, but I have to say, Aaron is my hero. (laughs) (laughs) Because even though I've gone through abuse, even though I've gone through double burglary, even though I've gone through my challenges as a single parent, even though I've come close to death three times, the list goes on and on. I have never had to figure out how to climb into the mind of gang members. And I'll tell you what, her heart just blossoms. And it did then, and it still does today, as listeners, you just heard in her voice, she comes from such a genuine, authentic place. And what a huge purpose she has. And there are tips from every person you can learn from eating healthy to make sure our brains function properly to meditation and silencing our minds so we can hear that small, still voice from making sure that you provide vitamin supplementation to your body because it's worn out soil, as you like to say all the time, Don to talking with Guru Dev from his place of India and becoming a guru, all the places of the grade of Dr. Dave and his advice as a success coach, every single person is important because if you miss just one of the steps, you may miss or it will take you further, as Oprah says, there is no missing or mistakes. You will eventually get to your destiny, but it will take longer. And that is the message that each and every person, as you said, Don, you can be average and still do great things. Every life matters. And as Aaron says, everyone has a story. You know, love is like light. You know, if you, you know what a dimmer switch is, when you turn on a light, turn it way down or it's off, and then you can keep turning it up and more bright, more bright, more bright. Well, that's the expression of love in your life. Uh, Erin was very uh, good at extending her love. So she turned on her light and it, bur- it burned brightly in all the souls of all the minds in the presence of all those kids, those 150 kids in her class. So her light extended out and theirs was all dimmer switch was turned down or most of them maybe off, hardly on. And so she started to turn up the dimmer switch in all those kids. So they started to feel better about themselves and other people. When you feel better about yourself, equally at the same height, you're going to feel better about other people. So the more light and love that she got to those kids to express themselves, the more they appreciated each other in the room. And they were not anti each other. They were pro each other. So light is... Love is like light. You just have to make that analogy. When you turn on a on a light bulb and it's on a dimmer switch, you turn up the light and you turn it down, up. We're all over the place every day. Up, down, up, down, up, down. But you got to be more up than you are down. So in bringing that front and center, Don, it truly is about taking advice from every single one of what I like to call the gurus and the greats on our show 
applying steps from each and every one of them, not missing out the components. Because as my brand is about, it is about connecting your mind with your body for ultimate wellness. When you're connected, when you continue to do these things, to work down at a cellular soul level, that is when your dimmer switch becomes bright. That is when your love shines through. So it's important to enjoy the journey. It is a process. It's not just about the destination. Your life matters. We're grateful to each and every one of you as much as to our guests for all of us collectively coming together because I believe there's truly only three degrees left of separation. We're all here to help each other and nobody is more important than the other. We will learn from you listeners as much as you learn from us. We want to thank you for listening We hope that through tuning in to the past 13 weeks that you feel inspired, empowered, that you've received insight, you've been seeking, and that you've gained the tools that you need so you can take action to become the person your soul is striving to be. If you have any comments or questions for us, please send them to wakeupandlistenradio at gmail.com. That's all we have time for now. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, goodbye, folks. That's all we have time for. Thank you for tuning in this week. Wake Up and Listen is broadcast live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to join Don Burnett and Dr. Don again for our next show. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.